Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of what most people think. And uh, we're not we're not saying we're not saying the new year thing. Any anybody that's still saying the new year thing, it's their way of letting you know that they don't have original thoughts or they don't know you well enough or they've just fucking given up, frankly. Um so I'm gonna say I hope that this first because last week I don't know what the fuck last week was. Um, that kind of dry run at January. Just give you a little taste of January, and then we are really into it's 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 a it's a drudgy sort of month. But luckily, uh, today making a much demanded return to the show is the brilliant Alan Cochran. Alan, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll just should we just do that the whole show? I'll just lob up juicy <laughs> half follies, beautiful, smoked it to the boundary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, it's nice to be back. I'm not sure I believe that I'm much demanded as a as a guest, but I'm I'm happy to return. Untrue, untrue. You are very much demanded by the Patreons and our super Patreon, oh. David Domain, who is the sort of CEO of the board of Patreons. Uh, he he is a massive fan. Has has demanded you back on a lot. Oh, recently. I recognise him. I think he's. I, I think he came to my show in Leicester, and um, yeah, I th- I've interacted with him. If it's the same guy, it is definitely like- the same guy. So so yeah. I mean, oh, the truth great. is. When I say much demanded, it might, almost always that's a lie. But but in this instance, it, it, it's just a rare occasion. There was one bloke that was fucking adamant. Um, so you are, so you are now. I mean, I guess perceived, given the things that you talk about and your perhaps you know radical belief in in the responsibility of the individual. Are, are you are you one of the baddies is that, comedically is now? Is that what I've got? Radical belief in responsibility of the individual. It I feels radical, doesn't it? That. More people have that than admit it, I think. Like, I 100% agree. Scratch the surface. I think loads of people. In fact, years ago, um, me and Mickey Flanagan and a few other people went to see the Scottish rapper guy. Is it Darren McGarvey? Do you know who yes. I mean? Yes. Yeah. Not, he writes yeah. books now. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a book about um, Poverty Safari or something like that. Yeah. And he has tons of moments where he talks about exactly what you've just mentioned um like people in working class sort of communities or or people in council estates like they know that some of the ones that are doing worse than they could be are doing worse than they could be because of their own behavior they know that how so i don't think it's that you. radical how dare you it's the patriarchy it's the patriarchy and the, and the Tories. I, I wonder who else we could just momentarily... Oh, blame the Tories. I mean, I'm not a Tory, but I even I sort of roll my eyes at how much blame the Tories there is. And and it's so weird, isn't it? I think people get a really fixed thing of what they mm. like to blame. Like, I've definitely got a thing where I, I found lockdowns pretty objectionable. And, yeah. Um, and so, like, it... It's a thing that I bring up all the time conversationally. And for everybody else, that's Brexit. Like, everybody else wants to blame Brexit for yeah. everything, especially in dressing rooms on the comedy circuit. And um, 
and I find myself thinking, wow, if you're complaining about the cost of Brexit now, having just had lockdowns, <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, I think that's like the equivalent of regretting a particular cafe latte on the day your house is repossessed. That's it. Just seems <laughs> it seems wrong to me. But but I'm I'm also you know as as I. As I go through this kind of transformation to Alan 2.0, I am definitely realizing that the things that bother me in the world don't don't bother everybody else, and, well, and vice I, versa. And I'd imagine, particularly, uh, the comedy green room experience has has, has changed for you. I mean, are, are you are you a fully fledged baddie now? What's what's going on? I don't know. I I mean, I think I was on the left. I've still never voted for a right wing party, which sounds really plaintive of me to say like oh, i'm not yeah. one guys i'm not one but um i think basically i think i i'm not very happy to sort of let other comedians do my thinking for me and and i yeah. think and i think that's my problem in dressing rooms is that... i think that is a that is the best bit of advice i could give anybody if you know comedians is comedians are, they will entertain you they might even inform you sometimes by accident but in terms of advice like simple simple advice like when i remember uh, when i first started speaking about my politics so i'd i'd voted for the tories in 2010 and i think at a local election i decided to start speaking about it in 2013 there was a couple of grandees of the circuit uh, right. who literally sat me down and went, "Look, this is this is you got to stop this. This is this is." But not not just on like, well, you shouldn't think this, but this is this is really this is not going to work out for you. I don't know if that was a kind of mafia, like, "Hey, this is this is not right. going to work out so well." Yeah, th- things happen. Things fall right. off shelves, uh, and, and so <laughs> so I think comedians would be the first to admit that we're not the best. At, well, the other comedians aren't good at giving advice. We all like to think that we are individually. Yeah, I mean, I tried to put advice in Room 101 when I went on Room 101 because I think most advice is bollocks, like it's terrible. I think I think good advice basically starts and ends at don't eat yellow snow. Yeah. that That's it, that's good. And then the rest of it is mostly hot air, unless you're going to an expert, you know. Don't go yeah. to a comedian if you want pensions advice. Don't, no. in fact... Don't go to a comedian if you want how to get up early on a morning advice. Like just no. These, if you want like are... a, a a distracting and entertaining take on something, that's what we're really good at. We're good yeah. at takes. Like, have you ever thought about it this way? However yeah. briefly. <laughs> but but my um my my feeling in dressing rooms is sort of strange. Like I feel like um, I think it's become a bit out there now that I'm not I'm not joining in with the identity politics sort of yeah nonsense i i think like i haven't really got that much that's that's very provocative material wise i'm not even Mm. doing i'm not even really doing jokes about atheism that i might have done five years ago or 10 years ago which was one of the things where it all started to unravel for me like um i i remember getting quite interested in atheism and reading up about it and then starting to speak to people on the left about oh i think I don't think Islamophobia as a term is quite accurate. I think there's sort of anti-Muslim bigotry, which we should all be worried about, but Islamophobia and the defensiveness from people on the left when I started kind of, it it really made me go, oh, you guys don't care about what's true. You care about what team people are on. And 
so, or how things know, feel I mean, as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of um, hashtag feelings, and and I'm not sure I'm cut out for that because I don't have as many as everybody else, it seems. And a, and a few of the people that I think would probably think I'm an Islamophobe were exactly the same people that thought that Qatar's uh, World Cup hosting was an outrage. And you think, um, come on, guys. <laughs> like, you can't butter your bread on both sides on this. Like, either we care about gay rights and we think Sharia law is bad for gay rights, or we don't. It doesn't mean that you're a bigot. And also, I think sometimes... Well, I noticed you you didn't say anything about the original Greek Olympiad in... <laughs> 1706. <laughs> Look, I think uh, people. I think that it, that's an interesting idea about what is your big thing. I mean, if if this was a radio show, I'd be going call in. But I'm interested. So people email what most people think uk at gmail.com. What is the thing? It might be Brexit, or it might be lockdowns, or it might even be the Magna Carta. What what do you? Where did you think it all started going wrong? Um, on the subject of uh, De- uh, David Domain earlier, we have Domain Talking Point. So he, he picks up on oh, stuff from good. the previous show. So we had a great episode uh, with Jen Brister, whose clips, I mean, I think I, I probably just got her at the point where maybe a week later she would never do a podcast like mine again because she's gone super ridiculously oh, really? viral. Oh, mate, on, on Instagram, inc- incredible numbers. Um, oh, but we great. We were discussing... Um, we were discussing Wes Street in once, you know, and, and of the Labour people, he's somebody I feel I could do business with, essentially. And, right. and, and a couple of people emailed him thinking... like gangster vibe about you when you say that. <laughs> he's a man I could do... With... Right? Yeah. So does Wes, though. I think me and Wes could meet at a lock-up in East London at 11am <laughs> on a Tuesday, a rainy, grey <laughs> Tuesday, and exchange briefcases. But um, I, I made a point where we talk about Wes and then Peter Mandelson, and I said, I think he's like... Jacob Reese Mogg's funky cousin. And I meant that about Mandelson, but some people thought I meant that about Wes Street. And look, I think I think Wes has, has veered a little bit to the right. I don't I don't think he's gone uh, that far. And then David also he picks up on some stats and some issues that we discuss. And I quit you know, there's this old thing about um Wilson closed more pits than Thatcher. Um, right, you and, mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, I, I sort of speculated that maybe Thatcher, whatever the numbers were, Thatcher maybe enjoyed it a bit more, but he he, he has the numbers. You'd hope that she did. I mean, you know, she didn't seem to enjoy much. But uh, 253 pits shut during uh, Wilson's premierships and 115 closed during Thatcher, right? So we're getting on right. well, over double. But as a caveat, uh, the Wilson government closed pits that were almost defunct and miners were redeployed. So it's mm. it's not irrelevant as a stat, but it's, it's, a good, well, it's a good one to pull out isn't it, to a lefty that you just want to misdirect, right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on the, I was on the news quiz once and, uh, and people were so sort of lobotomized about how Trump was a baddie that they were all taking the side of an Iranian warlord that Trump had had sort of um, surgically executed with a drone. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and I was like, I think, I think this is a good story. I think, I think Trump's coming off all right here. He's killed a baddie, <laughs> no civilian casualties. And, uh, and I brought up Obama's use of drones and killing baddies and uh, killing goodies. And, and yeah. it was, it's, it's just one of those many uncomfortable truths that people don't like you to bring up. Yeah, but I, I mean, all this, and I'm not even that political. I don't even feel like I'm. Yeah, very I mean, I 
There's a couple of facts like that, aren't there? I mean, like Obama, I think there were de- deportations were higher. Maybe, maybe they were higher in total because he was, you know, president for longer. But I have to ask myself the question, is my reason for saying that, that I really fundamentally care about the number of deportations or that I just wish to confound somebody in the yeah, moment? Yeah, yeah. I think Obama played more golf than Trump did whilst he was in office or something. There was another <laughs> thing like, you know, the thing that everybody sort of hits Trump for, for like being absent and playing golf and Obama yeah. played loads of golf whilst working. Uh, anyway, he, he grabbed more he grabbed more pussy he didn't he didn't that's it that's what's called common... trump did, did he no no i i, I, I don't use the vulgar phrase which is part of the problem with trump like i think i think people didn't like the vulgarity i mean it's, it's interesting to talk the the amount of pearl clutching about trump mm. being too vulgar that comes from the again from the modern left really it's like yeah they're all a bit like this you know fanning like oh he said something rude on twitter you think well you say much ruder things on stage (laughs) well i mean is that thing of of uh, you know we've lived for an age where definitely how people make you feel with what they say has become and maybe this isn't actually a new phenomenon but it's become a lot more important than what people do i mean i was um doing a topical show and i wanted to talk about trump and i was being critical of him i was saying that I didn't want him to be president anymore, but I was sort of saying that also, and this is not an unfamiliar argument, that his foreign policy wasn't a complete disaster. If anything, you know, it was it was quite effective in some ways, but yeah. but the pushback on me saying that on that show, it was like basically I, I stuck on a fucking MAGA hat and, <laughs> and, and had the, what, what was the Confederate flag like draped over my shoulders? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that is, I mean, there was only one way to think about Trump if you were on the UK comedy circuit, and that was that he was an existential threat to humanity. You couldn't, you couldn't think that some of the stuff that he said was funny. Yeah, you had to think like, this guy's a baddie, and and I'm terrified. Whereas, I just, I, I don't, I didn't ever buy that, really. I thought, you know, part of the reason I started speaking about politics, it originally was just this kind of goody baddy narrative and the pantomimic nature of the discussion of British politics. Yeah, you know, I just, I just thought on a simple level, like however, I mean, I mean, in the future, I could vote differently again, but I just mm-hmm. didn't fucking buy it. Quite simply, yeah. the idea that in something you know where where roughly half of the you know over time a very similar number of people end up thinking one thing, the similar number of the other. And I just thought, I just don't think when, apart from various terrible points in history, like the Third Reich and so on, that that it's ever that fucking clear cut uh, and mm. that was that was it and i just thought i think other people think this too you know it was sort of written into the constitution of comedy that was that was what bugged me in a way was to what you know any, yeah. any art form that sort of said well you can't say this or i mean even that goes for punching down as well people go you can't punch down well you fucking can but you've just got you just got to have a plan of why you're doing it how you're going to get out of it what your real yeah. purpose is yeah um yeah absolutely i i mean i've never really thought that punching down argument held much water either it seems it's just another subtle way of telling comics what jokes they can do um, mm. and i think uh, all of this boils down to the bit that i find really difficult now is that it it used to be a legit defense that you could say i was joking and, <laughs> and all right it might have misfired yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't hit the target and i've hurt your feelings but i was i promise you yeah. i was joking but now it seems like if you were joking and it misfires, you've failed a purity test. And if you joke and it misfires and the target was Boris Johnson, then that's fine. You're still pure. 
but if you jerk and it misfires and the target was a homeless guy, you're a baddie mm. and you should never be forgiven. <laughs> like... So a bit of big news for the Patreon. So as a f- I was talking for a long time about doing an online gig uh, in the middle of January, but two things occurred to me. is One, we've got this Jeff Norcott and Friends gig at the end of January at 25th and the one at the beginning of March in Leeds. And I suddenly thought, um, if you're coming to those or you're coming to one of the work in progress ones, it's going to be the same fucking material. So I thought I've only got so many things to say. And then I thought I recorded uh, my last tour show um, I always forget the name of it. This isn't a good sign, is it? I blame the parents. There you go. Uh, I recorded that and I thought, why not just upload that to Patreon? Just just throw it out there as a thank you for all the support last year, streaming exclusively on Patreon from the 16th of January. And that is at no extra charge to you. Though I would say it did cost me money to make. So if you thought, oh, that seems... Uh, Good on Jeff. You know, you, I'm, I might just um, up my pledge, or, or I might temporarily up my pledge. It would all be greatly received. But uh, look, I'm not, I'm not 100 expecting. Yeah, some of you, you're doing all right. Let's be honest. Some of you are doing all right. So um, on that note, um, we have a couple of new patrons. One I think is a returning patron, Christian Corley. Was it Christine Corley? I can't say a name like that without thinking. What's the story, Christine Corley? I mean, I wonder if that's how her friends. I I don't know. I'm pretty sure I used to have a patron called Christian Corley, and in this day and age, Alan, you know, it's dangerous to presume, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and then what we do is we we've got a new patron, and what we do is to greet them, we take the piss out of them based on their name, so we speculate on oh, what okay. kind of person they might be. So we have got Martin Ireland. That is, oh. and that, you do get that right. You get people whose surnames are countries. So you get Dave England. Um, yeah. You get um, Steve Steve Bolivia, <laughs> <laughs> Fred Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> well, that'd be like a double-barreled name, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's posh. <laughs> but Mar- Martin Island, there's a place near where I'm. I don't want to give away my location too much, but there's a really small, really small village near where I live called Island. And so anybody right. that moves there, it, it, it often creates confusion with the family. They go, I'm moving to Ireland. They go, for fuck's sake, we won't see the grandkids grow up. They go, well, Oh, that's it's... fun, isn't it? Like there's a Melbourne in Derbyshire, isn't there? <laughs> Is there? I'm moving to Melbourne. See ya. Oh, brilliant. We always said this day would come. You knew we wanted grandkids. You knew we want them. And then the first, the first sign of hot weather... <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's another it's another strange name trend. So if there's any other patrons or listeners that have got yeah, is, you, is your name the name? What's the weirdest country name? I mean, I have gone full FM radio DJ now, and I I, I don't apologise. Like I like it. Um, and we got another patron uh, who's upped his pledge, and this is before I've even put the special out, Alan. Uh, but he said he's up my pledge um, because when I name checked him, his name's Peter Humphrey, and I said. I said that he had the name of a CDT teacher, right? Peter Humphrey, Mr. Right. Humphreys. It yeah. sounds like a CDT teacher. And now he said, for the extra £2, can I speculate on a scandal um, that, that is involved with me? Oh, a scandal that was involved in Peter Humphrey, the Peter Humphrey scandal. I think it's going to be a health and safety one, isn't it? He wasn't He wasn't sharp on the goggles. He was like a rogue CDT teacher and... Uh, <laughs> somebody lost an eye or a finger or something (laughs) that is a rogue cdt teacher and it it gets getting called into the head's office like he's going in to see the chief god damn it humphreys we've had this conversation before um peter humphrey i mean the other one could be 
The Peter Humphrey scandal, I'm sort of thinking of it now more as like a Wikipedia entry. Could be selling exam answers to kids. Oh, yeah. I think there's quite a lot of that nowadays, isn't there? It's probably one of those things that's moved online, though, isn't it? Like so many things. <laughs> the dark, yeah, Silk Road now. You get you get underpaid yeah. uh, CDT teachers just <laughs> knock, knocking out exam answers. Um, I mean, yeah, the Breaking Bad sort of reboot won't, won't be... Uh, that would be a much tamer way of coming at that story, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. A, te- a science teacher has a, a, a terminally ill son, so he starts selling exam on- answers online. That's that doesn't land in the same way. I wonder what they make now, because like the the old jokes was always about people making ashtrays in woodwork mm. or CDT, <laughs> and I've got an old key ring that I made. I was particularly yeah. bad with my hands. I'm rubbish at anything practical. Oh, me too. Yeah, but. But I imagine now they're making like iPad stands or I don't yeah. know. Selfie sticks. Oh, yeah, that would be good. In fact, one of my many jokes that didn't work was that I said uh, that I thought people that used selfie sticks should be kept at arm's length. Um, <laughs> well, it's worked better on here than it ever did on stage. <laughs> I don't see why. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense why they don't work. I mean, I it is a genuine thing. Like It's politically incorrect, I guess, to have kids making... Ashtrays, and the other one was in in food home ec or whatever. It was though that pizza bread. Have they moved beyond just fucking bread with tomato and cheese on? Oh man, I cannot tell you the the sense of panic in my home when I was at school when we realised that we needed ingredients for for, for a cookery day. The scramble yeah. to find an egg and butter and whatever it was was just always panic stations. Oh man, I do You'd not rather... miss that. You'd rather find out that you were, a sudden eviction was looming yeah. than uh, you needed a quarter, a quarter of an ounce of flour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, we're going to do a thank you and a fuck you. So it's over to you, Alan, a bit of gratitude and a bit of bile. So we start off with the gratitude. What are you grateful for? Um, well, I do quite a lot of the old um, hashtag practice gratitudes. I, uh, hmm. I, I, I I try and do it um, pretty often. Um but I mean, this is going to sound mawkish, mm. but uh, very grateful to the just general bread and butter comedy circuit, mm. like lockdowns and then being on tours that are sometimes hit, sometimes miss. It really makes you glad that somebody else is going, do you want to do a gig for me? And then I'll send you the <laughs> yeah. money the, the following Tuesday and I'll take all of the risk and you just yeah, turn up yeah. and tell 20 or 30. I mean, I love it. I practice gratitude on that all the time as I'm driving yeah. home with my... Um, heated seats on um well i mean I've got, there, one there, more. I've got one more gratitude if you're interested this is brilliant that no one's people are normally reluctant to even do one this is fantastic i've got loads i am um, we took in a ukrainian because actually i'm not a bad person i'm not a thought criminal um <laughs> we took in a ukrainian we've got a nice big house and you know i've worked hard for it and blah 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 we've worked, worked hard for it and and we we're like we've got a spare room let's get a ukrainian and we can you know get some yeah. um virtue signaling points amongst my um colleagues yeah. and uh, she came and um it didn't work out we weren't we weren't good enough for her she was a bit mental um, and, yeah. and didn't didn't like us so she looked at this she looked at this life that i've built up for us and, yeah. and went no nah, not for me uh, basically incredible yeah, it is incredible. Someone with fuck all basically said, what you've got is not good enough. I'm off. Um, fuck all other than standards. Turns out she still had standards. Yeah, yeah, she still had standards. <laughs> I, I would suggest slightly um, 
odd ones. But um, <laughs> now that she's gone, the house, I, I feel really grateful because she was a bit of a cloud in the house. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and once somebody a bit toxic and, um, and miserable has left the home, you start mm. thinking, oh, this is great here, isn't it? <laughs> so I appreciate I mean, that's normally, a slightly unusual bit of gratitude. But. That would normally be relatives for most people, I think. The, <clears throat> yeah. Most people have just probably had that experience over Christmas. They had their own version of an ungrateful Ukrainian refugee in their house. Yeah, we had a three-week uh, Ukrainian refugee woman stay and then fuck <laughs> off. And then, yeah. <laughs> that is well, hilarious. There you go. Commission <laughs> that sitcom, Channel 4. <laughs> I've been saying on stage in a strange turn of events, I now find myself pro-Russia. <laughs> that's, that's a bit of mischief, he's, not to be taken well, he, seriously, everyone. Yeah, but if they're all like that, you see where he's coming from, do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and and the, the, the fuck you, come on, we need to know that you've got a bit of anger in your heart. Oh, man, weird car crimes. In the last um, year, I've had two weird car crimes happen to me. I had an old Honda that I had bought for 950 quid and that I loved. Mm. I did like 30,000 miles in it and it was great, petrol. And then one day I woke up and I went to it to go off somewhere and it made a really weird Harley Davidson noise. And it turned out that somebody had stolen the catalytic converter. Do you know about this as a crime? No, I didn't know that. They go under your car and they use a, a handheld, um, yeah, whatever it is, grinding thing where they basically just chop out this bit of your car exhaust because there's precious metals in them, particularly yeah. on old Hondas, and it just it wrecked the car. So I, I, in the end, the the potential bill for the repairs were so high that I just scrapped the car and had to change car. You're like, steal the fucking car, mate. Just steal the car. Totally. I would have felt happier if they'd just stolen the car. And then a couple of months ago, I went out to my my newer car and um, somebody had nicked my registration plates, which which again was ridiculously inconvenient because you then can't drive and you have to order some new ones and you have to either go to Halfords with your V5 document or get a garage that you know to order them and fit Mm. them and... Oh, what a hassle. So, yeah, my um, my fuck you goes to weird car crimes. And also, with having your uh, registration plates nicked, you're probably sweating out looking for the next diamond heist or something totally. that you can be linked to. And somebody in the garage said, oh, yeah, they'll be filling up with fuel all the time. He actually said petrol, but I said fuel because I can't. <laughs> you know, when people say, oh, I've got to go and fill up with petrol, and then they put diesel in. I'm such a prick. I find it quite annoying. So I always think... Oh, do you know, I get, I get that with um, uh, energy drinks, because I think that in most cases, um, if you get a diet Red Bull, that's not an energy drink at all. It's got no right. energy. It's got no energy. in. And it's the same as when people say full fat Coke. Fat is <laughs> is not the fucking issue with, with Coke. <laughs> it's not full fat at all. Cup. It's completely different food groups. See, these are the things that we really get exercised about. But I suppose we should also talk about uh, a bit of politics. So I'm just going to sorry, I didn't mention that we were going to do this before, but as we came to record, there was something in the uh, in the comments this afternoon about about the union. So Angela. Rainer, Angela fucking Rainer, eh? You're going to take that. I had, I had this idea last year that she's kind of a bit like, um, 
you know, like a girl that's stirring up a fight at school. You're gonna, she's basically oh, saying yeah. to the British, British public, "You're gonna fucking check that. You're gonna fucking, you're, gonna, yeah, you're yeah. gonna fucking laughing at you, mate. Fucking laughing at you." But I think I, I admire her though, and I think she's a good operator in the Commons. And so uh-huh. she she destroyed Transport Secretary. Is he Transport Secretary Grant Shapps? And destroyed in social media terms normally means made a succession of f- fair points about this this right. union bill. So the government they had this um, this manifesto pledge in 2019, which was about minimum service for for certain uh, public sector workers. So I think right. this relates to ambulance workers. Uh, it relates to nuclear disarmament or something weird like the, some basically the way that you get rid of fucking uranium. Right. Which yeah. seems fair. Uh, fire service and rescue, border control and education. I, mm. I just, I wonder what, I just wanted to sort of like take, get your take on it. I mean, there's part of me that goes, in the midst of what is be- quick becoming a general strike, the optics of bringing this up are always going to play out diff- diff- differently. It does kind of bothered me that strikes can genuinely make it more likely that you'll die. I think that's yeah. fair. But yeah. also, I think the government trying to throw education in with that feels massively fucking opportunistic as well. I don't want teachers to strike, but I don't think you can necessarily equate it with fire and rescue, ambulance and CDT. I mean, if the teachers are going to try and go on strike, I think the government should go. I mean, come on, you had you had the pandemic as a holiday, guys. You know? <laughs> You don't need more time off, do you? Sure. Hey, and then shuffle your papers just like like a comic. Go, oh, you lot, fuck, it's so serious yeah. these days. I I I get a bit of um, I get a bit of pushback from teachers, but I've been taking the piss out of teachers from before the pandemic. So it seems, yeah. you know, as to the union thing, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. That would be interesting because. Um, you know, Alan 2.0 doesn't, I, and I quite freely admit that there's loads of things that I haven't made up my mind about. I, I changed my position. Yeah. I, I used to disagree with marriage as an idea, and I'm married now, and I yeah, actually yeah, think, yeah. you know, when you look at more and more of the data as to what actually affects kids' life's outcomes, I think stable home with two parents in it is one of the things that really turbocharges the chance of somebody having good outcomes compared yeah. to bad outcomes. And I say that as somebody that grew up in a single parent family. So, you know, I'm not um, I'm mm. not belittling single parents, which was very popular from the Tories when I was at school. They hated single moms. They need to get back reason. into that, I think. I think, Do you that, think that so? Was, that would be fun. That was a USP. I mean, single moms, they've had, they've had a bit of a fucking easy ride, even in the austerity right. years. No one ever fact, really went for... <laughs> not, not only have they had an easy ride, it's become desirable, which is, uh, you know, mind-blowing given where it was. Yeah, I mean, I always thought, I mean, I know I know we've gone off topic a bit. I always thought people sort of said, look, it's better to not be apart than be in an unhappy marriage. I go, yeah, but it's probably better to be in a slightly unhappy marriage than be apart. (laughs) Yes, yes, I think that's it. And that's and then you end up sounding like those traditionalists that say, well, you should be working through problems for the long Mm. term. And. And that, you know, I think there's an argument for that. As I get older, I see more and more of the traditionalists having a point. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, the government with the unions, I mean, he, he said trying to anchor it back. At the, I, it's yeah. interesting because the government, I wonder, are, are the Tories trying to stoke this to a critical mass where it gets to the point where they're looking back in the history books where you get to where you go, who runs this country, the government or the unions? The, right. the only problem with that strategy is, is the, the unpopularity of the government means that the public might answer that question with, well, fuck it, the unions. <laughs> That's the problem yes. with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I. I think. 
I wonder how much the general public might get fed up of it, though. I do wonder if there is a sort of a tipping mm-hmm. point where they think, do you know what? Uh, we're all having a tough time. I want an ambulance and a fire engine and a school that's open. Mm. And I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about it. But I do wonder if the general, uh, if the general public might have less patience for it than perhaps the the left side of politics thinks. But I don't, you know. Who knows? No, no, I, I think that, that there are those those opinions that the British public have that I often think, how how permanent is that? I think the support from the nurses will probably endure, but it's yeah. already been seen with the RMT is that the you know, the support from the, it's become opposition now already the because, the, the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it, remember with the COVID rules, often yeah. when they said to people, do you think people should wear masks? People would say yes, but what they meant by that was people, not me. You know, yeah. do you think people should have their lives curtailed for, for my... Yes. Do you think you should have you, your life curtailed? And so the theory of supporting the train drivers mm. possibly lasted all right up until people had a thwarted Christmas shopping trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What they should really <laughs> ask is, do you think your train should be cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> do you, you think your shit you, should be compromised? You, is that in support? <laughs> Your yeah. train is cancelled, not just a sort of esoteric imaginary train, your own train on the way to a birthday party or your work. Or whatever. Should you yeah. miss your office Christmas party? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's weird because this was a manifesto pledge, so there's absolutely no reason why this shouldn't happen. But um, but it's certainly created for some, uh, f- God, I'm so cliche, there's some fireworks in the comments today. <laughs> um, on the thing that, 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 on a broader thing going back to last week, because after the podcast went up we had rishi uh, and keir starmer's uh, exciting new year announcements what oh, yeah. stood out about about rishi's for me which was i thought was interesting was i don't know all of them i mean i know he said that we're going to halve inflation we're going to grow the economy in the latter part of the year and i think it's really what i like was he set himself goals which will probably happen by the sheer weight of statistical likelihood right Right. It's genius, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like saying, oh, I think that by the middle of January, I'll be slightly less fat than I was on New Year's Day because <laughs> I won't be demolishing after eights for breakfast. Although um, goal setting in January is a horrible cliche. At least hang on and do it in February. Did he add at the end? And by the way, I'm doing dry January. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you smug little prick. You, you know, I mean, I think all of it, you know, he said we're going to get NHS... Waiting list. Yeah, you, I mean, you, certainly the chaos at A and E as as the months become warmer. It just, I mean, I don't know if it was genius to to set them as so achievable as New Year's right. resolutions. And and what I thought was interesting about the left is that it seemed to be a bit of a bait because people to criticise his goals, they had to continually repeat what they were. I thought that was interesting. Right. It's like the the three hundred fifty million on the side of the bus. You had to uh. keep saying. 350 million. So what they had to keep saying was, so he said he's going to halve inflation. Rishi's going to halve inflation? That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and as for his claim that he's going to bring down NHS waiting list, well, I'm I'm glad to see he's finally getting to grips with that. So I don't know if this was just a simple bit of uh, the political dark arts. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I um, I, I think he's got a bit of a cheek, though, talking about how he's going to bring back growth when... You know, he basically ousted Liz Truss for having a growth <laughs> manifesto. Really, yeah, like, yeah. I think he, I think genuinely, the 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 ousting of of Truss and Quasi Quarteng was was a really reactionary thing. And 
I, I do wonder long term if um, if people will think that that was. I mean, I suppose people were so brainwashed by the by the media to hate them that hmm. I, I do wonder. But I just, I mean, I, I growth is going to be quite difficult to to hmm. to create without doing some of the things that they were talking about. Um, and hmm. you know, you kind of go, hang on, you, the reason you turfed her out is because of that, and now you're going to. Yeah, I mean, the original, the original plans of Truss and Quarting, I didn't have much issue with the original ones. It was when they started um, giving it the bravado of like, oh, oh, hang on, I just blinked, I cut another tax. It was, it right. was the way that they spooked the markets. But I do think that there is a real legacy for what happened there going forward because Labour now, the fact that we all seem to have tacitly agreed, well, you can't spook the markets, you know, even yeah. however temporarily, that creates a massive problem for a left-wing government because, call me old-fashioned, but they, they like spending a few quid. You know, I, th- I think <laughs> yeah. that they're going to... They're going to spook the markets by their very definition. <laughs> well, I mean, but this, maybe this is the point and this sort of ties in with it, is then Keir, Keir did his speech, which I thought was... Quite and, and people give me stick for always going for him, but now it's two years out from the election. He's odds on to be the next prime minister. We do have to give this man scrutiny. And his speech, I thought, was bizarrely devoid of anything. The, the subject yeah. he seemed to go big on was um, sort of devolution to local... Like, that's not really what anybody's talking right now, but he's like, we're going to bring the decision-making local referendums on fucking bus routes. Go Look, all that stuff is important, but it really isn't going to put fire in anybody's bellies. And then... Yeah. He, the thing that I think that did maybe land was we said we're not going to get the big checkbook out. Was that did were you conscious of that phrase? Did that stick in your mind? I didn't. I didn't even notice the big checkbook. But as soon as you mention it, I now picture somebody that's just won a like a TV <laughs> game show with a massive check. You know, there's these ones that a producer is handing to a celebrity to give to. Yeah, I don't. Um, or I don't, a poorly child on on a telethon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I, I'm so sort of politically depressed in the modern world that I, the idea that they aren't going to get a big checkbook out because, I mean, they they were sort of turbo lockdown. The Labour Party was so anti any yeah, being able yeah. to go out and perform Labour that I kind of think, well, you, you wanted more and harder and further all the way through mm-hmm. that. And so yeah. you can't really grumble about it now. Like I, I can't vote for the Labour Party because they wanted more lockdown, mm, and I can't yeah, vote yeah. for the Tory Party because they did lock me down. So I've, I, yeah, anyway. And I can't vote for the Lib Dems because they said bollocks to a democratic mandate. So yes. it's tough out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, I, again, I used to say like the Labour Party don't want people to perform any labour. The Conservatives yeah. don't seem to want to conserve anything good, and the Liberal yeah. Democrats are no longer liberal or democratic. So I think we need an investigation into naming things. Yeah, no, it's, it's the opposite of nominative determinism. But, <laughs> however, the green, the Greens still are absolute compost munching, you know. Absolutely, the, yeah. They're, they're, um, they're, fully, they're fully on brand. The other thing that, um, that Rishi said was he, he came up with this thing about maths, which was just a brilliant was bit of... It was funny because, you know, there's that meme of, like, where it just says no one and then someone says something under no pressure whatsoever yeah. to do so. I kind of thought it was like, you know, if you're waiting for a pay rise off your boss, and you know everyone thinks they're going to get a pay rise, but he's like vouchers. It felt like that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, it's such a Tory move though to just suddenly bring out maths. Like it feels like, <laughs> like it's sort of the three R's or back to yeah. 
like proper proper education. Like it feels like metric system, the Queen yeah, 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 and the armed yeah, exactly. forces. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like they haven't got Brexit to moan about how bananas are sold in pounds or something anymore. So yeah, he's gone, yeah. let's let's talk about maths. And I I failed maths GCSE quite a lot of times, so I'm not um I'm not I'm definitely not a Tory on the mathematics. Well, I mean, the, the one thing that was that kind of the way that things get pulled out of shape when when a Tory says something, social media can pull it way out of shape. So him saying maybe people should do a bit of maths right up to their 18 suddenly became everyone has to do a degree in fucking trigonometry. Yeah. Um, so it was it was it wasn't quite that, but it was it wasn't like the idea was bad. But you go right, the, the education secretary stands up and says that in the Commons. You go, yeah, that's an interesting sort of like a a, a C plot essentially. But for the Prime mm-hmm. Minister, I mean, you know, he just maybe is the most, he looks like he loves maths. I mean, maybe it's just the most honest yeah. thing. He's like, do you know what? I get what you're saying about strikes and cost of living. You know, I'm thinking about maths. Yeah. And also him being so mega rich and everybody being so obsessed with how rich he is, he probably yeah. shouldn't bring up maths because people are going to start <laughs> going, well, you need maths to count your fucking money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've worked the out that you are a, to get to double figures. <laughs> we, the, the, the percentage that you are wealthier than the average person doesn't actually fit on the readout of a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just gonna do a, a quick hype. As I mentioned earlier, I've got the Jeff Norcott and Friends gigs coming up on the 25th of January at the Backyard Comedy Club and on the 2nd of March at the Wardrobe Theatre in Leeds. In terms of the work in progress gigs. Most it's about seventy percent of them are sold out. Uh, the one in Wolverhampton slash Bilston, uh, they keep asking me to say Wolverhampton because evidently Bilston, I, I thought Wolverhampton had its own image problems, but but Bilston more so. <laughs> uh, they they've extended the capacity at Oldham, which I've been asked to call Saddleworth. <laughs> I mean, this is what is it, name washing away. I'm sure there's a name for this. Uh, <laughs> Dorking and Darwin are both at about 60% sold, but they're slightly bigger rooms, so you should be able to get tickets there. And Aylesbury's getting close uh, to selling out there. So um, do just buy, buy my shit. I mean, there's, I can't dress this up, really. I mean, I, I make a massive virtue of the fact there's no advertising on this uh, podcast, and that is our glorious patrons who facilitate that. But there's certainly one product that's advertised quite heavily. <laughs> is that Jeff Norcott Live? <laughs> It, it, just Jeff Norcott stuff, you know the right, fact that right. I have, the fact that I have financial responsibilities. On that note, gig wise and stuff in terms of people, stuff people should look out for yourself with Alan. You're you are on Instagram. You're not on Twitter, but you are on I'm Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, and I'm and I, as far as I'm aware, I'm not on any of your Jeff Norcott and friends shows. So I'm I'm just I'm, I'm you like a proper narcissist. I'm thinking, okay, we're colleagues. Fair enough. <laughs> well, the 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 lead. And mate, if, if if I'd have thought I could have got you to do the one in Leeds, trust me, I would have fucking asked <laughs> shamelessly. I'll do any gigs. I'm happy to do gigs. It would it, it would gigs. have started with the email. Would have been one of those ones that was started with no worries if not. It would have been one of those ones. <laughs> yeah. So this section we're going to start with now. Some of you will go, oh, Prince Harry," and and a lot of people seem to want a fucking Pride of Britain award for how little they care about Prince Harry. And I I couldn't right. care less. Uh, 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 but I sort of thought, well, let's find a different way into this because we are recording this on the day of the publication of this book, and this, you know, th- historically this will matter. So there was um there was one of our um one of my patrons who I, sh- I should name his name is Kevin, and he said. Uh, is taking the piss out of Prince Harry punching up or punching down? 
Clearly, he's very privileged, right? But some have suggested he may be suffering from PTSD and or other mental health issues. I'm going to go with and and or. I, I, no, mostly and. Uh, is he acting rationally and in his own best interest based on the disclosures in his book? I mean, I I think that there was that line, wasn't there, with Harry? Where you go, yeah, it's a fucking weird family. It's a weird upbringing. What happened with your mum was shocking. Mm. Everyone's with you up to a point. And then, I don't know, man, recently it sort of became a form of emotional incontinence where you're just shitting out his truth (laughs) on a daily basis. And just some of it, like, like you shouldn't say, i.e. the thing about how many Taliban he killed and then other stuff. I mean, like, is it news to anybody that two sister-in-laws in in the build up to a big family occasion clashed? Alan, can you believe that? (laughs) Two prospective women of a similar age. Off the front page. So the, I mean, and just the brothers. Brothers had a scuffle. <laughs> brothers had a scuffle. The older, what the 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 younger sibling, uh, you know, felt that the older one got certain benefits. The older one feels like the younger one is a is a bit of a loose cannon. I mean, yeah. so much of this stuff is fairly standard. But yeah. I I did start to wonder this this question that Kevin's posed here is: Are we seeing? Like he Harry's saying, I've never been in a better place. But are we seeing like a genuine unraveling? Yes, I think we are, and and it's not um, it's not good science. But as a social science experiment, I sometimes talk about Harry and Meghan on stage. In fact, I saw you clip a bit of your stuff about um, Meghan, and I had a very yeah. similar um, journey with Meghan Markle. Yeah. Where when I went off her, I feel like it was because of things that she was saying and they were doing. It wasn't anything mm. to do with her being American or mixed race or any of that stuff. It was mm. literally their behaviour. Um, and and I think I think that's quite um, I think that's quite a common feeling in the nation. Mm. But when I talk about Harry and Meghan on stage, I I sometimes discuss what versions of Harry there have been, and there's a genuine feeling of kind of empathy when I mention like we all feel for grieving child Harry, everybody like it was mm. iconic, and. And then there's the sort of roguish young Harry when he was smoking mm. dope and then he was playing pool with strippers or whatever. There was all those moments and there was mm. dressing as a Nazi, which we all thought was a laugh. But there's a really strange moment when I talk about, I think the best version of Harry for me was setting up the Invictus Games, Harry. And, mm. and I think everybody sort of saw a version of what, what the future could have then rolled out to. Like mm. he could have been one of those royals that we all thought, oh, he's a bit of a laugh and he does good work. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. He could have so easily just sort of kept that guy going, been a bit of a laugh, but mm. but done things that, you know, perhaps some of the more square royals wouldn't have done. Like even then, like raising disability awareness and veteran awareness and mental health awareness, that would all have been brilliant. Mm. For a guy who's in the royal family, it would have been quite a sort of nice next generation royal family thing. But what a shame the way it's gone, because I I do Mm. think I do think that sort of the hypocrisy about privacy and the hypocrisy about the environment. And it's just I think it's really off putting. People are getting more and more allergic to it. and as for saying that he'd shot the Taliban, or killed 25 Taliban, that's just... A, I, I actually think what might have happened there is somebody might have said to him, oh, some right-wingers really don't like Meghan, and he's gone, hmm. oh, well, she's not the worst. Why don't I bring up the Taliban? <laughs> 
And like, yeah, that, what, that'll what, get it back. We, we've we've done a focus group, and people yeah. liked ha- Army Harry. He's going. To, I'll lean into that. I'm all over that, mate. I'll do a kill count, and then, mm, maybe where, don't do that. Where it's really backfired is that the modern left hate the British Army more than the Taliban. So. Yeah, no. He, he, ironically, he didn't really war game that one. I mean, he. <laughs> <laughs> what what he was um what was funny about it as well was that. There's some aspects of how the royal family work, i.e. the briefing and the counter-briefing and the leaks mm. and stuff, which I think we all already knew. But he, he seems to think that the public don't know about this. Right. And he's he's like one of those guys on social media that will just do like a fairly like reasonably well-known fact and say, let that sink in. Oh. Goes, it's sunk. We oh. know. Do you know the, one of those that really annoys me is... Um unpopular opinion followed by an entirely <laughs> popular opinion that everybody already agrees with. Yeah. Unpopular opinion, guys. I don't think we should judge people based on their skin colour. Oh, right. <laughs> is it just me or, you know, is, big, is bigotry? <laughs> it, I mean... Opinion. I don't think women should get paid less than men for the same work. <laughs> no, you know, it's just what I think. It's just what I think. So shoot me down. So Deal shoot me down. I mean, it was interesting with the, you know, there was the big takeaway from the Oprah Winfrey interview was when Meghan said that the somebody within the royal, it seemed like family at first, we were later led to believe household had speculated as to the colour of their baby, given their difference in sort of racial background. And so when Tom Bradby, who I'd say is fairly on side, oh, good friend of the show, Tom, uh, we, I've been taking the piss out of the fact how casually he tries to make news seem, Tom Bradby, right. hey, he hey, dudes, yeah. I mean, he's, the, he's the anchor for ITN, so... Often at the beginning of news, he'd be like, mm, yeah, news. Yeah, sure, <laughs> news. All right, then, let's do some news. He's just, it's, it's quite great. But he, he seems very on side with the Sussex, right? So he brings up this question about the, the allegations of racism over that claim. And then Harry, and you can see that Bradby's shot by this. Harry goes, never said that was racist, no inference at all. And Bradby's like, uh, dude, I mean, d- dude, like, you know, this one's like, mate, I mean, you definitely, I mean, that was the whole discussion coming out of that was whether or not that was racist. And, and even Prince Philip was alive at the time and speculation yes. was initially that it was definitely him. So either you're, you're, you're just pulling a fast one here or you knew that but didn't come out into the public domain to fully correct that misconception. It's a weird time to walk back that misconception, having left it <laughs> hanging in the air for, what, six or eight months or something. I mean, that's... It's a year and a half, I think. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. But wow. the way he says it, he's going, well, you think that because the British press said that. So, and you know, like, no, 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 we think it's because of what your wife said to yeah, Oprah Winfrey yeah. <laughs> on global television. I mean, he will, there will come a point, right? Where there will come a point where he's just, I've said this before, but yeah, he has, you know, again, probably not the right metaphor, but he has fired all his bullets now. And, right. and I just think unless he ultimately rejoins the royal family for a short spell on loan, there's going to be, you know, we all have to produce content now, unfortunately. Uh-huh. He's going to dry up with the old content. How, like, sort of niche are the stories going to be by book fucking three in the third series of the documentary? Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say if he rejoins the royal family. I put something up and somebody said, oh, I think um, somebody mooted the idea that Megan has encouraged him to, to write mm. this book. Uh, in the hope of him then seeming a bit unstable so that she can divorce him. So this is somebody's guess. You know, people okay. are all, people are all yeah. a few far out about it. And my first yeah. thought was, oh, I think people would actually be kind of delighted if he divorced from Meghan and maybe eventually yeah. rejoined the royal family. 
I think people would see that as a positive, strangely. Not everyone, obviously. There's some people that... No, no, I think it would play well. I mean, this yeah, is the, yeah. the sick world that, that he lives in, that there'll be an advisor to go, we think that... There'll come a point where they'll go, we think this plays well at this point in time. <laughs> because it's like it's like a member of the family. The, the thing with Harry, right, I do think if you look at it on paper, what's good at the moment is we have probably blamed Meghan too much for stuff. I do yeah. think there's plenty of this coming from him. I think, well, you know, when you're your mum dies in that way at such a young age, there's every reason why you would be vehemently anti-establishment and, and why your personality would flip at a given point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and anti the press. Like, he's got very good yeah. grounds to absolutely hate the tabloid press, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, there's still there's still obvious mistakes being made on, on his side, you know. I she know has a, influence. <laughs> I, I know a few... Um, I know a few ex-military people, and the question that you never really ask them is, "Have you killed people, and how many?" <laughs> you just don't do yeah. that. And he's just blurted it out, like, "Like, where's your game face? You don't tell folk that stuff." The one thing that I think we can all keep our fingers crossed is that the Taliban aren't the kind of people that hold grudges. <laughs> yeah, they just go, "Hey, he was young, you know. Yeah, look, yeah, we've yeah. all <laughs> we've all had a drink." <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think, you know, there, there are, I, I was on the Jeremy Vine show earlier, you know, just a bit of a name drop, not the main one even, the, the Jeremy Vine extra. And oh, uh, we were talking about, eventually, you know, you do come up with the, what is the future of the monarchy and, and do we... I, I think that, I don't think as far as existential crisis go, I don't think this is up there with the abdication crisis because that was, you know, the monarch still had a genuine part to play in, in the country's democratic life, a more central role i don't think it's as bad as the early 90s everyone it's easy to forget toe sucking and 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 this is a difficult thing to talk about but i had forgotten toe sucking but uh the toe sucking the divorces the anacerebralis i remember this is a tricky thing to talk about but the truth is is we've collectively wiped this from our minds people have got quite annoyed with diana in in the period leading up to death people have got fed up in you know her disclosures in the same way with harry now um, and part of, you know, obviously the, the horrific and tragic death, the reaction, I think, was partly a, a form of national guilt, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the period leading up to that, people were at the point where they'd sort of heard enough. So I don't know, unless Harry's got an absolute fucking bomb, like there's some mad sister being kept in the attic of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <or>. <laughs> well, well, history is, uh, is, is actually quite instructive for him because, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of history of his family and his, you know, his line. He's had a scrap with his brother where he tore his necklace. Um, Richard III put the princes in the tower. Like it's, it's not mm. as, it's, <laughs> he's, it's small beer what he's going through comparative to. There's some pretty bloody history amongst royal princes, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, it, it was something hilarious about the 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 sort of petty nature of all that. He slipped on the dog bowl, necklace broken. Bowl I mean, I, I, I had a tweet. I had a tweet that went semi sort of viral where I said that this may be toxic masculinity, but if I'd broke my necklace in a fight with my brother, I'd take that shit to the grave. We are racing towards the end of the show here. Just a quick letter. This is from uh, somebody who emailed me. what most people think UK at gmail.com. I do read the emails. If you are a patron and you join that, it's more of a direct line. But this is this is a slight concern for me and maybe other comics. He said, uh, so it's Kevin, it's Ian Giblet, and it just sounds like a made up name, but I was playing around. This sounds like I've made up a name because there's something that I want to say. 
Uh, Ian Giblet, uh, he said, I was playing around with the AI chat machine on OpenAI called ChatGPT. I'm already confused, but I get roughly what he's talking about, an automated artificial intelligence. It, he asked it who I was, i.e. me, Jeff Norcott, and it told him that I was a controversial comedian for the reasons below. And this is one of the reasons, um, among the reasons that it gave. Making jokes about sensitive topics such as rape and domestic violence. That's me, apparently. Wow. Uh, criticising progressive movements like feminism and LGBT rights movement. Oh, all right. Oh, you know, look, there's debatable. Um, defending conservative politicians and policies. Yeah, all right, I'll take that one. Um, making comments, and this, this is concerning, making comments that have been perceived as dismissive or hostile towards marginalised groups such as immigrants and Muslims. So I think that evidently there's an algorithm somewhere that's gone right of centre, must comedian, Jim <laughs> Davidson, must think this. I'll tell you something. If I had have done all that stuff, I'd have a much bigger YouTube following. Put you it think, that way. You yeah, think, well, YouTube loves all that but, stuff. But I mean, a much less busy live diary. <laughs> much busy. Yeah, we wouldn't, wouldn't have been quite, a, a, you know, lucky enough to do as much as I've done on Radio 4, perhaps. But... <laughs> But I just thought it's worth anyone listening to this, you know, any comedians that you like, because I don't know if it's just me, but I could I could I sue these fuckers, Alan? I mean, no, this is I don't this think is. So. But they've said stuff that's not true. I, I, yeah. I just I could do with a few quid. There's credit card bills looming. <laughs> yeah, I, it just I just I don't know if anybody else is. So if people are bored, you could go on uh, and this chat GPT. Go on. Mention your favourite comedians, right? And and do some left-wing ones, because I'm damn sure that the left-wing one will go, lovely bloke, top geezer, yeah, yeah. only has tried to make a better world. Once <laughs> <laughs> see tweeted support for Chairman Mao. <laughs> yeah, which was great. And then anybody, anybody over on the bad side, uh, it'd be interesting to see what they think about us. But listen... Alan, um, it's been brilliant to have you back on the podcast, mate. Are you? Uh, have you got? You, I mean, you say you talk about your gratitude for club gigs. Have you got club gigs coming up this weekend? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gigging away, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 considering starting a podcast, Jeff. I know it's a cliche, but I'm 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 still thinking about it. I'm not one that rushes into things. Well, all things become cliches for a good reason. Yeah. And, and ultimately, as as men of our age, what we all really want is, is some sort of benevolent dictatorship where we can. I, I've noticed that since I've done this, I've done, I've paid for less counselling. So make of that <laughs> what you will. <laughs> all right, I'm in. Okay, well, listen. Thanks so much for appearing back on what most people think. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, cheers, Alan Cochran. Thank you. And I'll be back with another podcast next week. <laughs>